Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with you, our producer, Cameron Parker alongside. We're with you up until the noon hour, and it's Chad and Zay coming along uh, after that. Uh, coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour here, we'll uh, uh, visit with Howard Joffe, Texas women's tennis coach, number eight national seed. They'll be at home, uh, NCAA, first and second round. Same thing with the men, the number one national seed. And, and you should know, uh, and our Number one you know, tennis supporter here, Tom, would would know this. Admission free at the Texas Tennis Center to go out and see NCAA tournament. It's a really nice facility tennis. if you're a it tennis is. fan and haven't been out there. It is really nice. Uh, clean up from hour to more. On speaking of Tom, he said I, re- I attended a Yankees game in a box above and behind home plate. The outdoor seating area had a couple of nets. So we could scoop balls off the netting behind home plate. That's that makes different. sense. Yep. That's different. Different issue than somebody just taking the long <laughs> net on the seen, stick, end of a long stick. There's something just a little unsettling about somebody that would follow through with that. Uh, it was pointed out that they were in a club barbecue area that's closed off. It's true. Uh, that That is true. I mean, you might as well just bring a vacuum cleaner with you or like a shop vac or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, there's there's a couple of things there. It's Jeff asking for a palate cleanser after yesterday's inconceivable. That is inconceivable. Yeah, that was uh, that was a rough one yesterday. <laughs> okay. All right. We had the story about. I'm sure you've heard about it about the uh, the college baseball game in Texarkana where yeah. they didn't stand in the bullpen and get shot. Random bullet, stray bullet there. Yeah. Was it A and M Texarkana against UH Victoria? Yes, it was. Yeah. Up there in uh, Texarkana. Um, so uh, uh, somebody said, speaking of Cody, how about Cody Clemens when we were earlier? It's uh, Cody with a K, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Cody is, is spelled with a K. Well, Craig, real quick, we just had a call on the, on the Carol's line. Actually, the thing with Cody happened twice, both days, and it was all in fun that Cody and the fan were kind of joking about it on both days. Oh, for real? I yeah. don't know if we're talking about the same thing. Cody Howard thing? Yes. Okay. Oh, I was talking about Cody Clemens. Just well, Cody, uh, that, that they were joking about yeah. after still, it happened. That, that he was, it was a playful swat at yeah. him. Okay. So okay. it happened twice. There's apparently. still something unsettling to me about a grown man taking a net to a baseball game. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. But for those wondering if it was malicious, I wonder if TCU there was some malicious intent. There was none. No. That's good, good, good to know. know there's no malicious intent. I still think you're a tool for taking a net to a baseball yeah. game. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that is good to know. Uh, and that all was well with that. Uh, 
the reference I made to Cody Clemens last night, Cody uh, this season has, I think Joe Davis pointed out on the Dodger broadcast last night, Cody Clemens has six hits. Three of them have been home runs. Uh, he did not hit a home run last night. He did play in the game. Uh, the Dodgers beat the Phillies 13-4. to Major League Baseball has inserted a new rule this year because last year I did not realize the number was this prolific. More than 100 times last year a position player went into pitch in a game. More than 100 times. So baseball, Major League Baseball, felt it was getting ridiculous, out of control, and a little bit clownish and all that stuff. They've instituted a new rule where... Uh, I believe you have to be trailing by eight or more runs to be inserted, in and you have to be ahead by some ridiculous amount too, or a mm-hmm. large amount to be able to to insert it. Well, the Phillies were down nine runs, so Cody Clemens goes to the mound and he throws this like seventy-two mile an hour Ephus pitch, you know, that comes in. So the Dodgers had just called up a minor leaguer who had had two hits in the night, and he got there and he and. I think the instructions, because Nomar Garcia Parr was on the telecast, and Nomar said when those guys go to the plate when that happens, most of the time the courtesy understanding between both sides is you really don't swing at anything. Just just don't swing. Well, he goes to the plate, and Cody Clemens strikes him out on three pitches, three of those drop-in EFIS balls. Mm -hmm. So now the rules are out the window at that point. So that happens because that's embarrassing. So then the next guy comes up and walks on four straight pitches as the Ephus misses. Then the Dodgers send Shelby Miller, the pitcher, to the plate and let him bat for himself, and he hits a hard ground ball to third, and that ends the inning. They go to the the top of the ninth, the Phillies last up, and what is the matchup? Shelby Miller on the mound against Cody Clemens, and he got him on a fly ball out. So they don't know. They said they're sure baseball's never kept track of this. But at least since the designated hitter in the insertion of the position player having to go to the mound, they believe it's the first time in the history of the game that a position player pitched to an opposing pitcher to end one inning and then reverse. Faced him to lead off the next inning. Faced him to lead off the next. So it was it's wild. Yeah, bizarre notes that happened at the end of the game. So anyway, uh, the end of the game yesterday saw Texas on the short end of this one, 13, uh, 15 to 7 uh, yesterday. Uh, we know about that Tanner Witt, his return. He went two thirds of an inning, and uh, you know gave up uh, a couple of hits. He walked a batter, hit a batter, uh, and uh, threw twenty three pitches, and he took the loss. That was part of our post game conversation with David Pierce. Roger Wallace was down on the field to visit with Coach Pierce to get his thoughts on this. Yes, the Longhorns won the first two games, eight to four on Saturday night. And then a thriller on Sunday, the three to two win with Porter Brown throwing out um, uh, Carson Bowen at the plate in the game. But they lose yesterday, fifteen to seven. So it was the conversation after the game between uh, Roger and head coach David Pierce. TCU seemed like they took advantage of every every mistake because you weren't giving them free bases or things like that. They were just hitting. Yeah, I mean, we did give them some free bases, but I will say that. You know, we just didn't get a good start with Witt, and, and then it kind of snowballed from there, and we've got three guys there in the middle that's just got to keep getting better and just trying to understand getting the ball down and attacking the right way. But, you know, we we competed most of the day. We just were playing uphill and, you know, 
it just made it tough all day, but it's what happened. What did you see from Tanner out there? Well, there's so many things you look at, and I felt like he was definitely adrenaline was going, of course, and just felt like he's probably moving away from the rubber a little bit and sit up, down, just kind of running to the plate, um, which causes you to kind of drag your arm. But, I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get when you're in a, a situation like that. So, like I told the team going into the game in our uh, pregame meeting, I'm, it, Tanner Wood is such a great teammate that – you know they were 100 percent behind him on this deal, and um, we'll continue it. We got to help him as he can potentially help us down the road. I was going to say you, that's behind him now. How important was it just to get him out there, and, and now gets a little bit more normal? Yeah, I mean, you probably wanted it in a different environment midweek, um, maybe where it's just not as exposed. But at the same time, it's definitely important to get that first one out of the way, and then. I know it's hard to wrestle with it now, but still, you come up here, you go on the road, and you win a series. That's still very big. Yes, it is. I mean, when you look at big picture, winning two out of three here, a tough environment. Um, definitely proud of our players. Just like to make it a competitive game today where, you know, we don't give things away and we don't make mistakes to, you know, make it be a ball game and make them have to earn it and you know they did a good job offensively they they attacked the baseball well uh had a couple of arms that pitched well so that's what happened and uh we'll take the series move on and get ready for kansas next week yeah you know midweek but you're you're pushed back a day because of this so now a day off tomorrow and then right back on the road another big weekend coming up yeah fortunately in our schedule this laid out where we didn't have a midweek and um that worked out good um, as far as playing Monday, getting in late tonight, and then tomorrow will be our day off. Yeah, so there it is. And uh, it's on Lawrence, Kansas this weekend. They'll leave uh, the day off today for the players, full uh, workout day tomorrow, practice day, and then um, kind of the abbreviated thing on Thursday before flying up, before the charter goes up on Thursday. I know uh, I know. we got to hit the break real quick, Craig. You think, I mean, at this point, th- this team can't think about, hey, what do we have to do to position ourselves as a, as a regional host? I mean, you just got to take it game by game at this point, right? Yeah, because it's, it's an ever-changing uh, landscape that fluctuating on who could host. You know, uh, until uh, probably going into the, this week now, Here's West Virginia leading the Big 12 Conference, and they have been for a couple of weeks now. They haven't even been sniffed by by the uh, you know the uh, bracketological prognosticators mm-hmm. on on being a regional host. I guarantee you they will this week. They'll they'll be mentioned as a regional host uh, this week, but there's still work to be done by everybody, West Virginia included. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see where it. But where I got to think. Are, are you with me? I got to think. Whoever wins the Big 12 regular season. Big 12 regular season champion has to host, right? If there's going to be a year where it didn't happen, it would be this year. Right. Only because the RPI is down a little bit uh, for the league, and there's the cannibalization that's been going on. I mean, they're they're knocking each other off left and right. That's why West Virginia standing clear of the field right now at 11-4 and four in the league makes a difference. So there. if there was ever a year where the conference champion did not need to go to and barbecue in the conference tournament, it would be this it's year. It's this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely want to handle that. That does tend to happen. That. No, and and it's it's important for the regular season champion to win a game or two in, in right. Arlington. I totally agree with you there. Uh, somebody asked me, and I'll make it real quick. They said, can you explain uh, how you became a Dodger fan? I've talked about it before and exactly what a Dodger is. First of all, uh, 
My dad was a Yankees fan. He used to tell us stories growing up when I was little in North Carolina about Yankees and Dodgers and the World Series. He went to two of them uh, on his GIID, got into the centerfield bleachers at Yankee Stadium in 52 and 53 to see the World Series there for $1 on his his Army ID, uh, which was really cool. Uh, I thought the name was cool, but also my favorite color was blue and white. And the first package of baseball cards I opened was Bill Russell, the Dodgers shortstop. So it was all of those things. And I wrote off to the Dodgers, wrote to Willie Davis, and I got a glossy 5 by 7 autograph photo and a pocket schedule and all that stuff. You know how a kid's mind can be certainly shifted. So I became a Dodger fan when I was about nine years old and, you know, baseball and been ever since. You baseball teams still do that, by the way. They'll, yeah. they'll, send you, they'll send your kid a kid's pack if you... That's pretty much what I got. Send a self-addressed stamped envelope to the... Uh, to and the, I didn't even send that. I just wrote off and said, hey, could you uh, send me a picture? And they and they did. And so that's how it happened. The, uh, the term itself, Dodgers, comes from the old... Uh, thing of trolley dodgers in the early 20th century with all the trolley lines that happened in Brooklyn, and they were a mess, crisscross. People were getting speed of getting killed in accidents. And so they were called, you had to dodge the trolleys and made sure that you didn't get killed. So they were actually affectionately known as the trolley dodgers. Uh, and and so then they just dropped yeah, the that part of the short version. Sounds yep. a lot better. It does. It does. Uh, Dodgers, and it's a it's a unique name, like the Green Bay Packers. That's a unique name, you know. So it's it's something it's, it's something uh, the, the Boston Celtics. I mean, there's there's some unique names in sports for sure. All right, coming up, Howard Joffe, Texas women's tennis coach, joins us when we continue with Life the Tower on the Horn, one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Like the tower. Light the tower on the horn. Ah, sorry to lose Gordon Lightfoot, the great Canadian singer. You're familiar with Gordon Lightfoot's work, right? Not, not off the top of my head. No. Okay, uh, let me see. Probably not familiar with. It, if you could read my mind, uh, that's one. Uh, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald about the freighter that went down in Lake Superior. Anyway. No, he kind of, okay. in his later years, though, he kind of does look like the Crypt Keeper from Tales in the Crypt. You know what he looked like? He looked like, uh, if you remember the wand maker from Harry Potter, he kind of looked like that a little <laughs> bit there. So I thought about that when I saw him. So anyway, all right. It's time now for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. And uh, our, our notebook this hour turns its attention 
to uh, Texas women's tennis, the uh, number eight national seed, and getting ready to host uh, NCAA tournament action this week at the Texas Tennis Center. And uh, we're very pleased to be joined by the head coach, Howard Jaffe, on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Howard, great to visit with you again. How are you today? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Always a pleasure to visit with you. And before we get to talking about the NCAA stuff, I I have to uh, give you uh, the props and the team the props for having this great year uh, that you've had to to this point. And... Uh, you've you've had so uh, many outstanding performances to the season, but I always know that coaches talk about the the totality of the team effort and everything that had happened uh, to win the Big Twelve uh, women's regular season and postseason tournament titles. How about your thoughts on uh, the totality of what's happened with your group so far and coming through and winning the regular season and the postseason tournament championship? Yeah, thanks. I mean. Uh, it's an interesting one. Our team obviously um, ha- has won the NC2A tournament uh, uh, last year and the year before. So the, uh, the the tension, the pressure, and the expectation, of course, is great to try to three-peat. Um, that's sort of just the backdrop to uh, setting up the year. We had turned over four of our eight scholarship players. So we had, you know, f- we do have four new faces. And against that backdrop, I would say the year has been quite difficult for the ladies, um, uh, having to fill some big shoes um, from, you know, last year and the year before's team. Um, and in spite of that, um, latest in the year, the team appears to, uh, you know, have rallied um, and played well enough, as your question would suggest, to, to you know, win the, the, the regular season Big 12 and, of course, to... Um, win the tournament here a week or so ago. And so the hope for an old coach um, is that this uh, team that is um, finding its way uh, is still growing just a little bit and are poised to do something uh, perhaps even better than what what we did in the conference. Howard, I have to believe that uh, when you mentioned about replacing key pieces off back-to-back national championship teams, that it helps – if you have an incoming freshman who not only wins Big 12 Freshman of the Year, but wins Big 12 Player of the Year, Nicole Karen, it's only the third time that's happened in the history of the Big 12 Conference. Could you have foreseen Nicole performing at that high level as a freshman coming in? No, I mean, uh, she's obviously uh, surpassed any reasonable expectation that a coach, uh, even a driven coach, could have. Um, uh, you know, in her case, um, being from Israel, um, there's mandatory military service. So she is someone that, you know, hadn't really been uh, in school per se uh, for the past two or three years. And just the language barrier, um, the cultural barrier, the uh, getting used to the rigors of academics and studying at Texas, um, all of those things um, would, you know, suggest that it, it, it'd be a rocky and difficult year, which I'm sure in many respects it has been. But the idea that she would perform um, in such a way that she, you know, won these uh, uh, best player in the Big 12 and best freshman, really, as I said, uh, it surpasses any, you know, reasonable expectation. So that, as, as you say, doesn't suck. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And then, and I would say also getting the performances that you did from Taisia Pashkaleva has to be a, a pretty uh, 
exciting thing to be the Big 12 newcomer of the year. So you get the, the freshman of the year, the player of the year, which happens to be the one player, obviously, in Nicole Karen, and then Taisia Pashkaleva being the Big 12 newcomer of the year also is one of those things that has to make it very satisfying for a coach. Yeah, no, I'm obviously delighted. Uh, as I sort of set up, we lost four of our eight scholarship players, and you've just talked about two of the replacements, which, uh, you know, have, they've done well. Interestingly, uh, Tyre um, is, uh, uh, played the final match against Texas two years ago for Pepperdine um, when we won uh, the national championship game 4-3. And so I know that she's a really formidable person and a player. She had some significant injury problems in the fall, but really the, uh, uh, also the idea that uh, she was just fit and ready to play um, would have been enough, but she also has performed um, in, a, in a stellar way um, to allow you know um, the success we've enjoyed so far. I would also be remiss since I mentioned Nicole being uh, what the things that she'd done. She was all Big 12 singles first team, but Charlotte Shavadapan was as well. And, uh, and then you've got Savannah uh, Zelanova on the second team as well. I mean, this is the sum of the parts, isn't it, Howard, when you start mentioning all these different ones who individually attain their own honors, but all within the team concept that makes the team so difficult to beat? Yeah, there's no question um, our team has uh, the horses, or so to speak, the players. Um, Sabina was a big part of the national championship team last year, um, winning 26 against one loss only. Um, she's another one that struggled this year early with injuries, but has just really replicated it. Uh, I think she's, you know, uh, uh, 16, 17 odd wins against three or four losses only. And um, Charlotte um, uh, Shavadipon, our Southern Cal lady, <laughs> um, you know, just uh, also excellent, excellent tennis player, excellent human being, team captain. Um, so they've all... Um, uh, definitely got the uh, ability to 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 hopefully make a make a good run and uh, mount a bit of a title defense this year and going for a third consecutive title as we've pointed out and visiting right now on talking Texas women's tennis with the head coach Howard Joffe as uh, the Longhorns get ready to have NCAA tournament action at home uh, how beneficial is it to be uh, a top eight national seed, meaning if you handle your business this weekend, you get to play as well for those uh, uh, next round after that if you uh, handle your business in first and second round? How important is it to be playing on your home court? Uh, no question. I mean, I think uh, all your, your listeners um, who are more, say, maybe with football and basketball um, know very well whatever the arena it's um, – advantageous for the players to be sleeping in their own beds, to be playing on the courts uh, that, that they're used to training on and, and competing. And then, of course, that is to say nothing of having, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the enthusiastic Longhorn fans cheer, cheering them on. So um, the home court advantage is huge. And, um, of course, we're hopeful that, uh, as you say, um, we can handle our business here uh, this, this weekend.
Uh, Howard, how about uh, your first-round opponents, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi? You've got that uh, first-rounder, uh, 2 o'clock Friday afternoon, and then Cal and San Diego in that first-round match. That's at 11 o'clock uh, Friday morning as well. I always ask coaches this, so so uh, you'll be no different than when I visit with Coach Elliott or when I visit with Coach Terry or Coach Schaefer about, I know you've got to concentrate on the here and now, but between your coaching staff and all that, do you, do you kind of keep an eye on what's going on with the other match, assuming, again, to use that phrase, your team handles its business, and you've got a second-round uh, opponent to deal with. You're, are you also kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in that other match, as well as the fact, since it precedes yours before your group takes the court um only very uh peripherally or maybe the better english is superficially i mean um what i do know to be true is that um the players on uh cal's team and um, we've uh, locked horns with them last year so we're very familiar with, with them um and also familiar with the players on a very very formidable san diego team this year and so um, obviously, the attention will be, as all coaches, hackney the cliche to death on uh, the here and the now um, and trying to uh, uh, come up with a, a fine four points to, to win against uh, 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 Tamu, uh, Corpus Christi. But then um, we'll be very aware um, and we'll have our work cut out for us against whoever the winner is of that uh uh, Cal Berkeley and San Diego match. All right. It'll be, again, first-round action, 2 o'clock Friday afternoon at the Texas Tennis Center as uh, the Longhorns will face Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The other matchup starts at 11 a.m. It's Cal and San Diego. And, again, uh, a Longhorns victory would advance Texas to the second-round matchup at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Howard, it's always great to visit with you. We wish you the best of luck and, and look forward to a successful weekend on the home court. Thanks for joining us this morning. Great. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. All right. Uh, there it is. Uh, Howard Joffe, Texas uh, women's tennis head coach, number eight national seed for the Longhorn women. And again, they'll play at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon against the Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, preceded at 11 a.m. by the matchup between Cal and San Diego. The winners meet Saturday at 4. Uh, the top-ranked, Texas men's tennis team, number one overall seed, and they're in action on Saturday and Sunday. Number one Texas also will play Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the first round. That's 1 o'clock on Saturday. And the other matchup is UTSA against Pepperdine. That's at 10 a.m. on Saturday. And then the winners there will meet in the men's second round. Sunday at 1 o'clock. So uh, Longhorns uh, picking up their 31st consecutive bid to the NCAA Championships and their 40th overall selection there. So uh, six straight year Texas has hosted that NCAA Championships on the men's side as well. So a great weekend uh, for tennis there. And I know uh, uh, Tom, a resident tennis fan, said that UT tennis matches is matches are normally free to attend. However, as they're prone to do, the NCAA wants their share. So the NCAA matches at UT will be ticketed. A kiosk will be set up out front, and tickets will likely be $5. I will take your word for it, Tom. I was told by someone at the University of Texas that it was going to be free, but maybe they had not yet heard from uh, NCAA. And anyway, it would be a nominal charge if it were the case. And you've got women's and men's tennis throughout the course of the weekend. So that that's cool. Um the uh, Texas softball team has uh, the huge series with Baylor coming up this week. And, of course, the Longhorn baseball team is back on the road. Texas will be taking on Kansas Friday evening at 6 o'clock, 
Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, the three games at Hoagland Ballpark in Kansas City. In Lawrence, Kansas. Excuse me. They'll play in in Lawrence, Kansas, Texas against KU. All right. Coming up, Jeff and I have a few other things we'll get to, and uh, we'll wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Sounds familiar. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. It's a very historical, kind of biographical tune here. With the load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November So came this early. is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is about a real event that happened. The, the Ella Fitzgerald? The Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm. Ella Fitzgerald's a great singer. The Edmund Fitzgerald was coming back from a mill in Wisconsin. He was talking about big, big iron ore freight. And this big storm rolls in. So I take it again, I'm... I don't know a ton about Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, I take it he was a storyteller. He, he, he could. He, he, yeah, I would think so. So listen how he how he, he tells how the storm is rolling in. This is pretty eerie when you hear how uh, the storm is coming in and the old cook can't feed him and stuff like that. Here it is right here. The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound. Witch of November, mm-hmm. you understand. When the afternoon came, came the breakfast, the breakfast had, to had to wait. The gales of came By afternoon rain, it was freezing rain. So he goes on, he tells a story. The ship disappears. Completely disappears. Hmm. They they if they were like 15 miles from Whitefish Bay and they never made it. It's like some Amelia Earhart stuff. It is. It sank to the bottom of Lake Superior. And indeed, right here, this is funny. Too. Fellas, it's too rough to feed you, the cook says. And then the main hatchway gives in. Yeah. So there was this eerie thing that happened. That's cool. Yeah, and then it says uh, later that night came the wreck of the Edmund. So they, there's there's been a variety of theories as to what really happened. They from just the fact that there was a, a big storm, but this was a gigantic ship, and how could it sink to the bottom of Lake Superior and all of the bodies with it down there? Uh, but he says because you know when the witch when the witch of November comes early you know says the the big lake they call Gichigumi as the Native Americans called it then 
And uh, they had several diving expeditions later on. I think it was on, like, National Geographic Channel. So when they brought the bell James up. James Cameron go down there and try to see what's going on? I, I, you know, he should have. He should have sent Bill Paxton down there and did it. But it didn't get done there. But they did recover the bell and all that kind of stuff. The, the most popular theory is um, that it was hit by somewhat of a tsunami on a lake, Lake Superior. The storm raises a giant wave. Wow. And it broke the ship in half and it went down. So a that's tsunami. Huh? Yeah, well, it was a gigantic wave that took it apart. So that's oh. the, that's the deal. But anyway, he he uh, memorialized it in a song, and it, it was a huge hit uh, back in the seventies. But that was the late great Gordon Lightfoot who passed I'll, away. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. Hey, real quick, since you know we had the whole jersey conversation last week, a couple of Longhorn draft picks have been assigned jersey numbers by their respective teams. Yeah. Um, B. John Robinson is going to wear number seven for the Falcons. He's got that old, if you've got your old Michael Vick jerseys, Falcons fan, you just you know, get you a piece of tape and put Robinson on the back of that thing and mm-hmm. try to rock and roll. Uh, Roshan Johnson is going to wear 30 for the Bears. Nice. And, and DeMarvin Overshone, in the spirit of Calvin Hill, mm-hmm. going to wear 35 for the Nice. Cowboys. Nice. Okay. I haven't seen anything for the Eagles or Chiefs yet for Morrow, Ojimo, or Keandre Coburn. Okay. Oh. And. Uh, did you see this email come down, Craig, from uh, the college football playoff selection? Committee? Yes, I did. I did. I did see that. Uh, actually, do you, do you want to read it then, or you want me to, or what? How do you want to do this here? No, it's okay. Wrap up? It's all right. So the twelve team playoff is ready to yep. kick off, uh, starting in the twenty twenty four season. So here's how it's going to go: the first round. This is in the twenty twenty four season. The first round games will be campus sites. It's going to be Friday, December twentieth, and Saturday, December twenty first. Quarterfinals will be New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It's going to be the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day. You get the Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. Semifinals will be the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. And then the national championship game will be Monday, January 20th, 2025 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. And then for the 2025 season, you'll get December 19th, one game on that Friday, that Saturday, December 20th. You'll have three games. Uh, Then your quarterfinals that year will be the Cotton Bowl, Cotton Bowl on New Year's Eve, and then New Year's Day, you get the Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. Semifinals will be the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. And then your national championship for the 2025 season will be Monday, January 19th, 2026 at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Yeah, it's a little, it's probably as late as we can uh, ever it, remember. This year's in 2023, the title game's in Houston, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one final thing on the text line. Somebody said, I grew up in New England. This song would usually cause the fishermen to go quiet for a minute. <laughs> the time I think of New England, we were talking about we were talking about uh, you know your your uh, your experience earlier with the costume at school and whatnot. All I all I thought about the whole show is the Patriots logo with, as I call it, with Paul Revere snapping the ball. Yes, yeah. that's it, Patriot Pat. <laughs> I'll, I'll still he'll always it'll always be Paul, Paul Revere, Revere to you. Okay, the ball, yeah. uh, so. So anyway, uh, the somebody else. Uh, uh, oh, my friend Thompson just checked with the source of mine. You are correct. Free admission for the NCAA tennis matches this weekend. As the old freestylers credo goes, if it's free, we're styling. So there you go. There you That's go. this week. And uh, thanks to Howard Joffe for joining us as well. And uh, we thank you for joining us. We invite you to stay tuned because coming up next will be Chad and Zay. For a man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker, and for my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Wade. Thanks for joining us. 
We'll visit with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on Life of Tower.